We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Community Radio, Kilkenny City, keeping you company on 88.7 FM. You're listening to Kilkenny Today with Morris O'Connor on Community Radio, KilkennyCity.ie. Today's Kilkenny Today with myself, Morris O'Connor, back with you again. And uh, I would love on a day like today to have been able to do a programme out of doors, but that's not the way it's worked out today. But anyway, never mind. There'll still be some warmth and sunshine left, I think, by the time we hit the top of the air at six o'clock. And I can go back out again. Um, lovely to be back with you again. Hope you all had a great weekend and a good start to this week. Anyway, 11th of August, time marching on. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's about time. I think a lot of people actually, based on what I've seen around town, or um, a couple of shops anyway that do school uniforms and school equipment and stuff, um, are busy getting into the replacements or the new uniforms or whatever. Um, so it's a real sign that um, things like that are starting to happen again. Uh, the government certainly seems to be committed anyway to getting the schools open and hopefully that'll all go well. Um, one, well, I think did notice something uh, on the internet there. Uh, it was brought to my attention on uh, breakingnews.ie just confirming in case parents were uh, wondering about it that uh, parents who are receiving the pandemic unemployment pay- payment will be entitled to claim the back-to-school closure and footwear allowance. Um, I don't know if somebody or some organisations or uh, people sowing doubt about that, pardon the pun, um, but it does seem as if the uh, Department of Social Protection are just making it clear that uh, people who are on receipt of POP are entitled to claim the back-to-school clothing and footwear allowance. It's just as well. Um, they're, apparently they're making £153 million available to include parents who have lost their jobs due to COVID-19, and that's up from £53 million last year, so an extra £100 million. Um, it's worth apparently €150 Euros for a child bet- aged between 4 and 11, and 275 for uh, a child between 12 and 22. It's a strange kind of age bracket, isn't it? Between 4 and 11, you know, I know it covers the start of primary school, but 11, um, there's still a year left of primary school, at least for a lot of children. So why they didn't have the divide at the uh, typical divide between our, our ex- even have it in terms of um, primary school and secondary school rather than age brackets. I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure there's presumably there's some logic around that. And uh, that can be got by, I think, by applying to mywelfare dot ie um and uh, you, you if you haven't previously been in receipt of or haven't to go look for the uh, back to school clothing and footwear allowance um that's where to go i think if you can get on the internet otherwise uh phone number for welfare.a if somebody wants to give it to us or find it first we'll we'll uh, we'll give it out before at the end of the show but anyway it's an important thing i think for people um, particularly going back to school because uniforms and everything else that goes with um, going to school whether it's back to or continuing on in the same school can be seriously expensive despite what we're supposed to be told about free education 
Um, another thing, actually, that uh, that I noticed as well as an announcement from the Department of Housing. Um, and of course, junior minister, there's our own Malcolm Nunn at TD, but not from the junior minister this time, from the senior minister, Dara O'Brien, that um, there's 73 million euros has been provided for housing ad- adaptation grant. And uh, that was probably fairly well, I think, presumably welcome. Although I did notice also on Twitter, the Disability Federation of Ireland saying um, that it's uh, that amount of money it's, isn't even back to, to bring it back to the uh, 2010 levels it's still well short of 2010 levels, so maybe it's not such uh, a good announcement as it might appear to be on the face of it. Uh, a lot of those announcements seem to be made once the doll rises, um, and maybe that's a way of um, just getting uh, whatever needs to be announced out there and uh, not having too much immediate reaction from the body politic. I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit cynical. Um, there was something else as well I saw, uh, and th- this would, of course, of local interest, um, somebody on Twitter, I think it was, or Facebook actually, who was wondering about um, parking fees, making the point that uh, lots of employers, or many employers anyway, certainly the ones that uh, have their premises in business parks, are able to provide parking for a lot of their employees free. Uh, and just speculating about um, healthcare providers, given the huge effort that they've been putting in, um, they generally do anyway, but even more so since the start of COVID-19 um, and whether or not they are expected to pay for parking at their place of work. So in terms of places like uh, St. Luke's here or the Auteven, um where visitors certainly pay for parking, I don't know, are staff charged? Maybe somebody can tell us, um, and if they are, um, how much are they charged? And is there some... Um, relief that they're being given for that at the moment, given the kind of hours and the effort that they're that they're putting in. Uh, any listeners, if you do actually know the answer to that question, uh, you could give us a text, maybe zero eight six three five three seven seven eight two. So, if you're a healthcare worker and you're working in either St Luke's or the Orteven, you might uh, be able to tell us as well if you're going into work in a car or you charge for parking there because um, you shouldn't be. I don't think probably shouldn't be at all. Never mind whether it's during the COVID nineteen pandemic or not. Anyway, uh, that's all by way of kind of a bit of an aside in a sense. Um, Later on in the show, we're going to be talking about, given there's still a few weeks left of the summer, we'll be talking to Colin Ahern, who has a number of hats, actually. In this case, he's he's a director of Kilkenny Tourism, but he's also the general manager of the Ormond Hotel and president of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. And um, we'll be talking to Colin about um, the More to Explore campaign, which is all around... Uh, really going and having a good look around uh, County Kilkenny and uh, exploring its uh, delights of all sorts of um, tourism and, and activities and things to do and vis- places to visit. So we'll be talking to Colin about that later on the show. Um, on a sort of related note, outdoor activities, sporting more more likely, um, we are, we'll be talking to Nicola Keeshan, who's from the Kilkenny Recreation and Sports Partnership. Uh, not so much, well, a little bit about sporting activity. We'll, we will get onto that with Nicola, but uh, there are some grants available for um, community organisations and sports bodies, and uh, Nicola will be telling us uh, a little bit about those. So um, keep the ears pricked for that, because uh, any time there's money uh, being made available, it's well worthwhile having a listen to see if it's something that you or your organisation that you're involved in, sports club, community, organisation, um, whatever residence association or whatever it is might be able to um, avail of. Anyway, that's Nicola Keeshan uh, from Kilkenny Recreation and Sports Partnership. We don't have any parish news today. Um, I suppose as I keep saying that anyway, we will at some point in time when we're able to, maybe at the end of this month, early next month, I think uh, we would be hoping to bring you uh, start bringing you some parish news again. But I suppose the way 
the pandemic is going and uh, what's been happening in our three, well, our neighbouring county of Leash and onwards into Offaly and Kildare. Anyway, who knows what might happen around um, parishes and churches and being able to open anything like they used to be in early March, who knows. But we will bring you parish news whenever we are able to. Um, I wanted to start off today's show actually with a recorded piece from our uh, colleague or sister community radio station near FM in Dublin and it's an interview done by Michael O'Sullivan. It's, uh, it, it was a chat he had uh, actually it's a couple of weeks ago with uh, Eamon Ryan and uh, as soon as you hear Eamon Ryan you'll realise uh, that it was a couple of weeks ago because he starts to mention yesterday and uh, the result of the leadership election in the Green Party uh, which of course he won um, defeating his rival um, Catherine Martin so they start off on that but that's not what the conversation is about. They were more talking about uh, because Eamon Ryan of course being the Minister for Transport and Climate Action, they were more talking about um, the national oil reserves and uh, the future of that and possibly the Green Party's approach to that and uh, whether, I suppose, whether it factors into our um, our carbon footprint for the country and uh, is something that exposes us to EU fines or not for not managing our carbon targets um, as we should do. Anyway, so this is a conversation between Michael Sullivan from Near FM in Dublin and uh, Minister Eamon Ryan, uh, Minister for Transport and Climate Action, Green Party TD, of course. It's been a busy week. We were, were kind of very busy. We had a big stimulus package uh, we were launching yesterday, and then I had uh, a leadership conference was, was yesterday evening. So it was, it was one of those kind of red letters days in in our house. But uh, I was very pleased to be re-elected as leader of the Green Party, and uh, it was a very good contest. Myself and my co-leader, deputy leader uh, Catherine Martin, um, were um, engaged, I suppose, in hustings for the past three, four weeks. And um, it's very close. She's very capable, and but and it was a very it was kind of strange leadership contest because it was quite friendly in terms of we've been working together for the last nine years, and um, I look forward to working with her for the next number of years. We're in, we're in a, we have a difficult uh, responsibility ahead of us in government, but uh, we're committed to, to to working together as best we can as a team to in the public interest. That's a, that's our first focus. Well, um, I, you know, as you say yourself, that has happened, so it's gone, and we're 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 moving ahead now. But what I want to say is, I'm absolutely delighted to see uh, 500 million being put into the uh, Nora uh, Fund, the the uh, National Oil Reserve Agency Fund, uh, to promote. Uh, uh, climate initiatives. Maybe you could um, explain to us a little about that. Yeah, if I can. Um, NORA is, is, is stands for the National Oil Reserves Agency. It's It's been there for about several decades, I suppose, since the late 70s when the first big oil crisis hit. And, and at that time, international the international energy agency said every government should store a certain amount of oil in case of any emergency. And um, and, and there's a levy on that, on petrol, so that we, we have that protective stock. But there's a surplus in it. And uh, the Fairness um, Richard Bruton, the outgoing minister, had the idea, which I think was a good one, said so at the time, that we might be able to divert that levy, that, that surplus we have, into climate action projects. So on Wednesday, the, the Dáil agreed a bill to do exactly that. It, it passed all stages. And it, it will set up this fund of 500 million. Um, there's already projects which we're looking at and which are being funded. Um, I, I give an example. I suppose the most local first people would know the um, in Dublin down in the docks, there's a huge amount of waste water heat coming from the incinerator and power stations. Um, and rather than that water waste heat going out into the Liffey, we were going to look and see can you trap that water heat 
and actually pipe it up the Liffey up or up, up onto the road network and heat our buildings that way. So you wouldn't have to have an oil or gas-fired boiler. You'd be able to heat buildings just with that, what is currently wasted heat, putting it to good use. Um, there's another example, and these are just very practical examples, the data centre, uh, where all the computer data information is, is, is stored and, uh, and uh, moved backwards and forwards. Again, huge amounts of heat in that. And again, could we take the heat from that and distribute it to local housing so that they also wouldn't have to spend money on burning fossil fuels and, and in that way um, save emissions. Um, so there's loads of practical projects like that that we want to fund. Um, and, and it'll range from, it'll be open to local communities, maybe to come together to say, well, let's say if we, if we have a local estate and, and let's say we want to improve the houses by putting in better insulation and, and, uh, and maybe solar panels on the roof and, and generate our own power. If we did that collectively, if we come together as an estate or, or, or as a community and maybe get some builders in to see, well, what would the price be if we did it collectively and can we bring the price down? Um, those sort of community energy projects, again, is the type of thing we're looking to see can we fund um, and, and, and a whole range of others. So it's, it's, uh, that was for me, and this was before the stimulus package that was announced yesterday, it was a separate piece of legislation, but it's the sort of measures, I think, where we can turn, you know, what is, uh, turn from one way of doing things, which is with fossil fuels, to a new way of doing things, which I think is better, healthier, cleaner, more efficient, more economic, and it keeps power and money in the local community. That's, that's key to what we're looking to do in government over the next four years. So it's about uh, not working harder, working smarter. Yeah, and going with the grain of nature, I suppose, uh, rather than against it. We do have a biodiversity and a climate crisis that we have to address. And the solutions to that, well, the solutions of one will be good for the other, but also will be good for the economy. I'll give another example, and this is one thing we did fund yesterday, and it's not so much local now, but out into the, the Midlands. What we're looking for is what they call a just transition as we attack the climate change. And one of the communities that would be badly affected or negatively affected is, is those who are engaged in extracting peat from our bogs and burning that in the power stations uh, or using in industrial horticultural uh, ap uh, applications. Instead of doing that, what we're hoping to do is to get those skilled workers to actually use their skills in managing bogs to start re-wetting bogs, to start restoring them. And, and storing the carbon as we do that. And as you do that, then the knock-on benefit, you also have diversity, you store nature, and, and it creates employment. So one of the projects in, in the stimulus plan yesterday was to do exactly that, to fund uh, kind of changing away from taking from nature to working with nature and restoring nature, and in doing that to help tackle climate change. And, and that's, I suppose, it's a, it's a system change. It's putting that kind of ecological approach center stage but it's also recognised that with it comes social justice if you, if you design it properly and, uh, and kind of set out certain principles from the start. So um, that's, yeah, that's what we're, we're seeking to do. Minister, and of course uh, we'll save money on that as well because we won't have all the penalties that we're getting at the moment for burning peat and coal and things like that. Yeah, that, that, and, and this is done within the European Union context because... We signed the Paris Climate Agreement, God, almost five years ago now, and it's coming up for review next year. And to be honest, it's a huge challenge because the scale of the reductions we have to make are beyond compare. 
Um, Europe is going at that collectively. So we're going going into the talks uh, as a unit, and, and in that hope, and try to persuade China and America. And America is not easy at the moment, but anyway, put that to aside. But trying to persuade other countries and, and other continents to do the same. So as part of that, the European Union says, OK, what is each country doing uh, and what's your contribution to our overall effort? Now, in the programme for government we agreed, which has recently been signed, we've signed up to a much more ambitious contribution to say we will actually play our part. We will, we will try and meet what the scientists say we should be doing to avoid tipping into a, a really negative uh, dangerous downward spiral in, in terms of climate change. And that equates to about a 7% per annum reduction each year, 50% over over a decade. So we're going to commit to that. We, we're going to have to work with the European Union probably over the next year to work out in detail how what might be the best way of achieving it. Um, it's true that if we don't, we face fines from Europe and, uh, because you know they, they have to have some rule or mechanism to make sure that everyone makes their contribution. But I'll be honest, I look at it a different way because I think if, we, if we're not good at this and if we don't get ahead of the pack, we'll miss out on the economic opportunity that will come with us because everyone's going to have to do this if we're to avoid the kind of spiral downwards and, and into a real disaster. So it will become an, an imperative. And, and those countries that are ahead of the game and are good at delivering the solutions would be the one I think that get the jobs, get the investment, get the expertise and how you do it, and we'll be able to share and sell that expertise to the rest of the world. And Ireland is well-placed to be good at this. You know, we're, we, we give out about ourselves a lot, and, and often with good cause. But actually, I think we have the potential to be good at it, and I think the Irish people want to do it. And, uh, uh, and so it'll be bottom-up as well as top-down. But but I think we do have to we 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 do have to set ourselves ambitious goals because I think that'll that'll spur us on not just because it's fines or punishment but because it's it is an opportunity. There you go. That was Minister uh, for Transport and Climate Change, Eamon Ryan, TD, of course, of the Green Party, talking to Michael Sullivan of our sister community radio station near FM up there in northeast Dublin. Thanks to near FM and indeed to Michael Sullivan for bringing that to us. Plenty of uh, stuff that Eamon Ryan was going through there outlining the, cha- the challenges facing us and the, the costs that, that may be associated with not hitting our targets. So there you go. Um, now we better take first ad break of today's show and we'll be back in a couple of minutes just after these. Uh, text number of course 086 353 or the phone line seven seven six two seven 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 and zero five six of course before that if you're happen to be listening outside of our broadcasting territory and outside the zero five six phone number which of course you can do on community radio Kilkenny City or C or K C which is uh, works just as well anyway we'll take an ad break uh, do stay with us and uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes with Nicola Keishan from KRSP. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City eighty eight point seven FM. You're listening to Kilkenny Today with Morris O'Connor on Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Welcome back and uh, just the second part of today's show to have you with us again. And do stay with us till the top of the hour and even beyond anyway through the evening here in Community Radio Kilkenny City because after myself, of course, we'd have the Angelus uh, as usual at the top of the hour and then Community Diary and then the two sports or soccer fanatics, uh, Bear Cash and Bear Aha, Bear Scott and Jim Cashin get them the wrong way around. I think I've done that before. Anyway, Bear Scott and Jim Cashin, of course, will be in with offside soccer just after six o'clock, take you through to seven. 
and uh, soccer at least there's things happening anyway on the international front and uh, domestically as well plenty of things going on uh, all COVID affected needless to say anyway uh, moving on to something else that's also COVID affected I'm delighted to be joined on the phone by Nicola Keeshan who's a sports coordinator with Kilkenny Recreation and Sports Partnership uh, good afternoon Nicola thanks for joining us um, good afternoon, Mara. Thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome, of course. Uh, out, not not in the studio live, but anyway, the phone will will do just as well for the moment until we're all safe and sound, uh, sitting face to face with one another. Um, yeah. Nicola, you you guys in Kilkenny Recreation and Sports Partnership, uh, with a couple of things we talk about sports and how to get back to sport um, in a little bit later. But um, listeners may be interested to hear that you've got some money to give out. Uh, yeah, uh, I suppose it's a welcome uh, announcement uh, by the uh, government recently. Um, uh, or there's 70 million of a, a fund there for um, sports and kind of a resilience fund to ensure that sports clubs and the national government bodies of sport and the local sports partnerships are able to continue um, after this, uh, I suppose, a challenging time. And uh, we've just announced, um, a, a, as part of that overall fund, uh, we've just announced a small uh, grant scheme for clubs. Mm. Um, so that's just went live on our website um, yesterday. So essentially what this is, it's part of the, the, the overall program, but it's designed to support clubs who don't have the finances to implement the COVID-19 related hygiene and social, social distancing protocols. So I suppose this is... Um, um, I suppose this is something that uh, each club will face and it's um, about making sure that the necessary safety uh, precautions are in place so that clubs can go back um, and do uh, sport safely. Yeah, and I suppose uh, you better clarify um, if you need to, uh, like sports clubs taken in the broadest possible context, you're not just talking about clubs that have a premises and would have something no, to do. No, it's a, and that's why like, there's a, I suppose there's different levels of funding and there's different mechanisms of funding. So this one like that, and there's a number of different uh, elements to this scheme, so you don't necessarily have to have your own facility, but it's to allow you to go back to your sport. Mm. Um, so that, and it could be all the clubs. So uh, I suppose there's a couple of different mechanisms for clubs to apply. Um, so if their national governing body of sport has um, a scheme where you can apply uh, for this type of stuff, that's where clubs should go in the first instance. But it, like you'd have some smaller national governing bodies who wouldn't have the capacity to do that, and I suppose they can come to us. Yeah. Um, so the funding cannot be used um, for any kind of hospitality services or bars or restaurants or that. It's literally for a return into sport activities only. Yeah. And 70 yeah. million at a national level sounds like quite a chunky amount of money. Um, yeah. Like, are you at liberty to say how much of it uh, has filtered down to yourselves? Well, like, it's broken out, uh, like, that 70 million um, and between the government and Sport Ireland, they've kind of, like, set the criteria so that it was announced uh, lately. So this one here for the small club grant scheme is there's 5 million um, for nationwide, and it's been administered through the local sports partnerships. It's very hard to say, like, um, then, um, I suppose, per county level, I suppose what will happen is each of the clubs would apply to the county that they're based in, so their own local sports partnership. Uh, we do a process at local level in terms of assessing and um, uh, rec- make recommendations to Sport Ireland, and then that all goes up to national level and Sport Ireland, um, with, and again, they'll be doing a double-checking system yeah. to make sure that, like, um, the the clubs don't get double funded, or if they've applied, if they have an opportunity to apply for 
their governing body of sport, it'll it'll go that way. Right. Um, but they'll have um, they, they'll have to make the kind of decisions and, and uh, look at where where it's needed. So essentially, what they're trying to do is get it to the clubs that need it the most. Yeah. If the yeah. clubs don't need it, or if they have an avenue for getting it somewhere else, and, and, and they apply somewhere else, but it is trying to get it down to the clubs that need it the most. Yeah. Is there what what's the maximum that's available per club, or, or is there a pre Determined yep. to set maximum, or indeed yeah, minimum, so either for that matter. <laughs> uh, generally, the maximum that clubs oh, generally apply for. But um, there is a maximum of fifteen hundred uh, per club for the grand scheme. So there are a few different things. Uh, there's a few different criteria for that. So it's only one application can be submitted per club. The application has to be through the LSD in your county. So for clubs that are based in Kilkenny, it's through um, just our sports partnership. Um, there's a, a 46 questions. So on our um, uh, website, we have a link to the, the application form. But there's also um, a link to the guideline form. So what we would ask clubs to do is read through that guideline yeah. um, because there's 46 questions that is asked of a club. Um, and I, I suppose I think Sport Ireland have tried to kept it, keep it as simple as possible and easy for clubs. But there are questions in there that you, you'll have to provide um, so have those at hand um, before you go on because you can't save it. You just go on and put all the information in and oh, submit right. it. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So can you, you can't, so you can't kind of come at it like w- late one evening and then follow on the next morning and finish no, it? No, no. You have to sit down no, and go through the whole very important. Lot. Yeah, that, that's what I want to stress right. the club is, is the guideline document there will give you the 46 questions um, So before you even go into the application form or open the form. Um, so make sure you have the information. So it goes through stuff like the club information. So how many club members you have in 2020 and then break it down by female and people with disability how many club members in 2019 so there's an element of the clubs being prepared before they yeah. go on and do the application form yeah all right do you think like with, with that with that level of detail it sounds maybe like the department of uh, whichever is and it's now called sport is in i think is it yeah. Catherine martin's department with the big long name um it sounds like as if they're they're kind of collecting data maybe well, you know, it's that n- there's may no not be absolutely no, no personal data. No, yeah. I appreciate that, but just kind of gathering quite a lot of detailed data about this, the nature of sports clubs around the country. I suppose what they're trying to get is um, a picture of what's happening. So, like in terms of membership, what they're looking for is 2019 and 2020 membership. So, like, has there been a massive uh, drop off in membership because of COVID 19, which then reflects in terms of like the membership. Um, income that a club would have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, it's around looking at how big is the club, like um, in how many people it's catering for. So, like, is it catering? Is it uh, for? Is it an inclusive club? Is it catering for people with disabilities? Is there an underage element? So, it's to give a snapshot of kind of what's going on with clubs and the supports that are needed out there. Yeah, those kind of things would affect the um, the evaluation, would they? Uh, yeah, I suppose it's to, it's to get as much information as possible because essentially, like the the pot is small, um, Morris. So what you really want is the the clubs that are in most in need of it that uh, they get it so that they can continue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose what they can apply for funding, um, like there's a um, a few different headings. So I, I'll just run through them Do for please. you. Do please, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, the first one is hygiene con- hygiene consumables. So that's like your hand sanitizers, your soaps, your face masks gloves. Um, the second thing is then infrastructure costs and those might be, you know, the dispensers for uh, uh, dispensing the gels, any kind of signage if there's periglass screens needed that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, the 
COVID-19 related venue and equipment cleaning costs. So again, um, these will kind of, um, there's a, obviously a, a, a requirement on clubs to clean down facilities, clean down um, their equipment in between training. So the costs related to those. Uh, in, and this is the one like um, you're asking about your like the facility hire. There is uh, an option to apply for costs for increased venue hire. So some of the clubs, if they're renting out a hall, it might take them. Um, they might need to rent it out for twice as long as they normally would to cater for their numbers because of social distancing. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some like cycling or running or stuff who who do, you know may not need venues or certainly don't have. Um, yeah, their yeah. Own so premises, depends, but, like I suppose yeah. they're trying to cover off every sport and all the different kind of requirements from the different types of clubs. Like so. Yeah. You only apply for what your club needs as well. Yeah. yeah. So there's volunteer training costs. There's staff training costs. There's um, another section for additional registration and event management costs. So this is the, the, the requirement to reduce the um, paperwork and to have the electronic registration. So um, those type of things like the admin or IT costs around that self-declarations as well. Mm. And then there's, a, a, there's another section that just is other. So like that, if there's something that not, doesn't fit into those categories but the club need it in terms of like covid return sport um, yeah. there's a, a section there that can be provided it certainly sounds like as if there's plenty of yeah of, of kind of areas where a club could apply to, uh, a subject area matters that uh, clubs could apply for funding under but uh, yeah. um, I suppose they're not it is very as you, I think you said at the start it's very definitely pitched at small spends and if there is that 1500 euros limit per club um, yeah. you know lots of clubs could probably find their way to spend um, 15,000 or 150,000 if they had it on yeah. all sorts of things but um, that's not what it's um, there for no and there's, I, like the, I suppose there's other um, like the bigger clubs um, there's um, other mechanisms for them in terms of actual um, resilient funds to keep the club going if they're in a financial precarious position and that would be run through the NGBs as well so this is literally just for COVID nineteen small grant mm. and for the clubs to just get back up and running. So it's on it's on the website anyway. The the links to the application yeah. form and uh, and the uh, guidance document, which as I said, is very well worthwhile to read before yeah. you sit down. Before anybody sits down to even think about forty six questions, I suppose be well worthwhile doing their homework. Yeah, um, so terms and conditions uh, guidelines there, and just to let the clubs know as well. Um, it's uh, ex related COVID nineteen related expenditure from the second of May onwards. Right. So clubs might have already um, uh, paid out or have it had expenditure towards this, and and be back up and running. So it doesn't exclude them. It's to kind of support them, like because um, the cost, like it can be costly to the club. So it's from the second of May onwards, which yeah. is the date of the government roadmap. Fair enough. Uh, Nicola, is, yeah. there, is there a deadline then for clubs to get applications into? Yeah, that's a very important one as well as the very important, questions. Yeah. So the deadline um, for um, the clubs to get uh, fill in the application is the 31st of August. And then um, we'll have a kind of, a, as I said, there's a process internally then with the local sports partnership around the grants committee obsessing it, assessing them and then sell, sending the information up to Sport Ireland. And then applicants will be... Um, they'll um, be let known in October. Because again, the Sport Ireland have their own process in terms of processing these grants. Yeah, but just in terms of if there's a club and you have any further questions or if you'd like um, uh, a sport on any of the kind of the terms and conditions or the criteria, um, you can contact um, our two development officers as well. So they can, they can support clubs, like especially the smaller clubs with kind of any questions. So that's Seamus Nugent and, and Lauren Walsh-Kess 
and their numbers are as well are on the um the website. Great. Uh, thanks a million. I probably was asking you some of the questions that are in the guidance document, so as well yeah. as best, probably best uh, to refer listeners to that and have a good read of that before you sit down yeah. to to try and answer all those questions online at one at one sitting. Uh, well, it's good to see, I suppose, that there is, even if it's a relatively modest amount of money, that there is that the government is recognising that yet yeah, there's a cost to enabling um, members of sports clubs of all sorts to get back up and running and to participate in the sports that uh, so many people love, regardless of what what they are. So there's there is, yeah, there is something to do. It is, and a lot of like sport is built on the back of um, uh, sports volunteers as well. So, um, and they do a massive um, job like in, in making sure that there are opportunities for people to take part in sport physical activities, which is hugely important in a challenging time like this. So it's good to be able to support that. Yeah, great stuff. Look, thanks a million for coming on and uh, telling us all about that, Nicola. It's great and uh, very best wishes to yourselves and uh, all your colleagues, Seamus and Lauren, in, in um, Kilkenny Recreation and Sports Partnership. Uh, good to see you. Still managing thanks to keep yourselves more. busy anyway. You're very welcome. Take care. Take care, bye-bye. Cheers, Nicola. There's Nicola Keishan, who's sports coordinator with Kilkenny Recreation and Sports Partnership. And uh, go on to krsp.ie, I think, will be the website, and you'll find details of how to apply for that uh, funding support for uh, small grants for uh, COVID-19-associated spends. And um, do read. It sounds like as if well worthwhile or necessary to read that briefing document, uh, the idea of sitting down for 46 questions uh, before you and have to go through them all at once online. Uh, could be a bit daunting for some, but maybe it's not so bad um, when you've read that briefing document first. Anyway, we'll take another ad break and we'll be back with um, Colin O'Hearn in wearing his hat of a uh, member of a director of Kilkenny Tourism. And we'll be talking about uh, uh, how to make the most of the attractions that are available here in Kilkenny, whether it's county or city, uh, between now and um, the end of whatever the tourist season allows us. Certainly uh, back to schools is the usual landmark for a lot of tourism activities to cease. But we'll take an ad break first anyway and we'll be back with Colin after these. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're listening to Kilkenny Today with Morris O'Connor. Well, uh, I think you might, I might have left a fader up there, so you might have actually heard me uh, just getting in touch with my next guest, uh, Colin O'Hearn, who's with, uh, involved in Kilkenny Tourism, of course, and also the general manager of the Ormond Hotel and the president uh, for this year, anyway, of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. So my apologies if that was cutting over onto on top of the ads and you weren't able to hear the uh, ads and promotions as clearly as you should have been. But anyway, uh, great to have you with us on the show, Colin. Lovely to have you back again. I know we, we uh, I, I mentioned at the top of the show that you're a man with, that wears lots of different hats. Uh, the last time we were talking to you, it was in connection with your taking up the presidency of the Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. But this is more to do with Kilkenny tourism. Um, I suppose there, normally we'd expect to see huge amounts of people here um, during the, during the summer. The numbers are way down. I'd I'd expect. Um, I'm sure you see it very much uh, very directly in terms of bookings there in the Ormond Hotel, and and services that you're providing out of there. Um, but there has been the huge emphasis on staycationing, and I know from my own experience of trying to find somewhere to even to go for a few days if I can manage it that I'm, I'll struggle to find somewhere. Um, so, but at the same time, there's still been a launch of a campaign in around focused, I suppose, in around County Kilkenny and called More to Explore. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Um, I suppose, look, uh, like 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 when 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 the board of Kilkenny Tourism sat down a number of months ago and decided, you know, at what point was it wise to stop promoting Kilkenny and when did we start, I suppose, to be, to, to be, 
to, to be more correct, um, we we wanted to come up with a tagline that gave the idea that, you know, there's plenty to do in Kenny out and about because that's where people feel safer. And that's where the more to explore tagline came from. And I, and then it was a case of, of, of the accommodation providers, namely the hotels, the guest houses, and, and the other accommodation providers, partnering and coming up with with packages that in, that include all there is to offer in in our county, from from Inishtig and Woodstock and Cascoma and the Discovery Park to nor to, to the Nor Valley um, Pest Farm to the to to the um, to the in Callan the Moat Walk and all those sort of things and t- Trail Kilkenny and the walks and the cycles. Um, so all the accommodation providers came up with packages that, in, that really included. Their, their guests and their customers getting out and about around the county and the city when they were in Kilkenny. Mm. And I suppose, like there, as you were talking there, the idea of kind of stop promoting Kilkenny when you mentioned it sounded like why, why would you even have a, have a conversation um, like that? But maybe yeah, you, 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 like a lot of these things, there's a risk or a danger, and sometimes overstimulating demand. But um, leaving that aside, uh, it, it does suggest that there's you know the more the more to explore tagline does suggest that there are things out there that maybe people have either not not visited or done or not be terribly familiar with or are places that people might have been around uh, the city and county maybe a few years ago and would be well worth uh, a revisit. Um, is that the general pitch? Absolutely. And I mean, you know, just to answer your first question, certainly there was absolutely zero demand in March and April. And going out with something and spending the sort of money that we're spending at the moment would have literally been throwing it down the drain <clears throat> because people were not looking and were not interested. Uh, and, and so it was just picking the right moment to start that promotion. But there is, I mean, certainly the more that we can, the more that we can get people to do in our city and county, the longer they will stay with us and they will stay away from Kerry and Cork and Wexford and Galway and they'll spend more time with us. And that, I suppose, is the, is the reason that to, to the whole campaign. It's to get people to, to, to spend longer. And I've seen it myself. I mean, normally my length of stay here in the hotel is somewhere in the region of 1.5, 1.6 days each 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 room is staying for and that's up at about 2.5 2.6 days now for for august mm. so people are staying somewhere in on average about two and a half to three days uh three days for their stay which is great and they're out and about they're dining they're they're checking out everything that kilkenny has to offer yeah does, just on an aside does it make it easier to run a hotel when people are on average staying um, longer well it's certainly cheaper <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, when you're not having to service to, to clean rooms and change everything, and I mean, you check someone in once, you know, absolutely. It, it certainly is. But I suppose people spend, when, when they stay for longer, they spend more. And that's, yeah. that's I suppose, the, the easiest the, the, the easiest way to think about it. Yeah, I suppose, again, um, like thinking off the top of my head, if I were to try and, if somebody asked me to try and describe, kind of in broad brush terms, what's available here in, in Kilkenny City and County, I'd be thinking of kind of outdoor pursuits activities. I'd be thinking of culture and heritage. I'd be thinking of craft. Um, yeah. And there, there's I a mean, huge amount under each of those headings, really. Isn't there's there? a huge Am I amount. Something? No, I mean, look, there's, there's, there's so much. And I mean, obviously, a lot of what we've been what we've been going after and pitching to is the family market, because that's really what's traveling at the moment. Or that's the, that, that's the biggest uh, the biggest sector that's traveling at the moment and you know if you look out at Castle, Castle Comber Discovery Park and the zip line um, the longest zip line over a river in Ireland that's there um, and in terms of the walks and the 
cycling and everything that has to offer and culture and heritage. I mean, we have we have the art, the, the mini arts week now at the moment, and, and a lot of the hotels and 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 the the providers in the city centre have small art exhibitions and there's things happening there. And from and point of, and also the the um, the connected sculpture trail that the uh, Design Craft Council of Ireland have put together. And mm. that's brilliant. It's getting people around the city and checking out uh, wonderful pieces of art uh, in, in, in public places. So there is absolutely loads to do. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of uh, something I came across that nature in uh, a town Montpellier in the south of France a number of years ago where there was little tiles with a designer from some... I don't know, street artists or something, and there was a map all around the city, and of course the encouragement was, and the instinct was to go off and wander and see how many of them you could find, and therefore visit the whole city, so that's exactly the kind of style. It's really interesting. Yeah. And, and a lot of the a lot of the activity provider, I mean, one I didn't even mention, which which I've actually heard a load of, load of my guests talking about, is Go With The Flow, uh, the company that are bringing people down the river in, in canoes and kayaks, and there's so many people... Um, so many people using that and, and, and engaging with that, but a lot of the a lot of the experiences, like Kenny Castle, for example, uh, was talking to someone there recently, and obviously their num- numbers are limited due to social distancing, but they're nearly operating at capacity now at the moment. Mm. Um, so, so those sort of experiences are as busy as they can be. Yeah, which is which is great, and I noticed as well that um, I don't know was it planned anyway, uh, regardless of COVID, or but it certainly has. I saw some an announcement of it. Maybe you could tell listeners about it. Um, something called the Kilkenny Welcome Team, and I think Brian Cody was lending his name to that. Yeah, m- m- look, Morris, it is something that we've spoken about um, for for a long number of years, and it was finding the <coughs> it was finding the energy and the money and everything that was needed to to deliver it. But yes, COVID gave it that jab in the arm. And it's, it's, I suppose, the a lot of the collateral that's being used in terms of the jackets and the, the what the people are wearing has all been has all been funded by Kilkenny County Council. But they have twenty brilliant volunteers uh, that have been fully trained up in 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 the activities and and all the the necessary need to know things about Kilkenny. Um, they're around Friday to Sunday wearing branded jackets. They're working in pairs, um, and they're there to meet our tourists on the street and advise them of where to visit. Uh, of where the bank is, of where the bathrooms are, and where they need to go, and all those sort of things. And it's innovative, and it's not happening anywhere else, <coughs> in, in anywhere else in the country. And it's really, really exciting. Yeah, it sounds um, like a great the, idea. Yeah, because I think I've, it really I think, is. I think it, it kind of reminds me, uh, as you describe it, of um, the uh, the people that you see. Uh, well, when we when we all used to go through Dublin Airport, anyway, the people from Arienta, uh, the yes. Dublin Airport Authority, and um, they'd be they'd have their particular coloured jackets on, and you, you knew that if you wanted to find, as you say, the toilet or the ATM or the departure gates or whatever, you just go to one of those and off you go and you're, you're sorted. Great and idea. And something else Great also that, that's, that's been funded by, by the Kenny County Council is the Medieval Mile Audio Guide. Now, it's only at the sign-off stage, so there's a bit of work to do in it yet, but people then will be able to download uh, be able to download this from iTunes and Spotify and on their phone as they walk the medieval mile. That I think there's approximately 15 places where it stops and it gives you the story of the, of where you're stopping in Kilkenny from the cathedral to the castle. Um, and so that's going to be really exciting when 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 that comes up. Yeah, I think tech can do amazing things with that. I mean, is there any words on when that would be available? Uh, roughly. So, well, I mean, as, as at the moment, the script I believe is at sign off. 
So I'm sure uh, I'm sure it doesn't take too much longer. So I'd hope that that would be in, that that would be in place in a number of weeks. Yeah. So the, and again, and again, it goes back to the point in a way, doesn't it? Like. You know, some of us are kind of massively interested in everything that's around us all the time, some of us less so. And, and there, there's a lot there that maybe people take for granted as well. And things like the audio guide can help point them out. Definitely. And, and I suppose those of us that live in Kilkenny get used to having all these things on our doorstep. One of the things that I would, I would urge your listeners to check out is they'll see if they buy a takeout coffee in, the, um, in, in some of the cafes and shops around Kilkenny City. Um, a lot of them now have a sticker on the cup that has a QR code and that, if you scan the code that will bring you to the Visit Kilkenny uh, website, which has a number of itineraries and things to do for visitors coming to Kilkenny and locals alike. Yeah, that certainly sounds like as if it plays right into the hands of, of the tech savvy um, uh, cohort of the population that seem to be yeah. welded, welded to their coffee cups. <laughs> there's, Very much there's, so. there's a there's a lot of them around, but they're of course they're all they're all extremely um, welcome. It's it's certainly being um, a very different, a very very different summer from the point of view of of us, us Kilkenny residents and the experience of the people that are coming into the city and indeed around the county as well. And as I said at the start, I think you're you're probably seeing it um, more than than most in, in the business that you're in. But it, you're, are you, like, it, it, does it feel good? It's, it it doesn't feel as crowded around here. Like often, particularly at this time when Arts Week would normally have been on, the place is jammed to the point of sometimes being difficult to move around. It's it's not not so. It's made easier, and then we've got the one way system that's settled down, and everything. So there's a yeah. there's a good good sort of relaxed enough kind of vibe around the place, isn't there? I think the widening of the footpath on, on in certain parts of the city has helped. There is, whilst there is a huge amount of Irish people um, around Kilkenny, we would have always had that amount of people around Kilkenny anyway. What's missing is somewhere in the region of, for, for the month of August, somewhere in the region of 100,000 um, international visitors that would have been coming on a day trip or staying overnight and visiting the castle. And that's a huge amount of people to take out of the city and a huge amount of people to take out of the, out of the attractions and the bars and the restaurants. Mm, mm. And I suppose we, are, we have worked really hard. Irish people have been great. They've been staying in Kilkenny and spending their money here. Um, but, you know, come the end of August and when the children go back to school, it's going to be a very, very different, um, a, a different place. And that's where all the hard work we're doing now in terms of the the promoting Kilkenny, true Kilkenny tourism and the more to explore and all that is also aimed at those people that can take breaks in September and October and November and are happy to come and, and will be happy to come to, to, yeah. Kilkenny, to Kilkenny then. Just one last thing for you then, Colin. Is there is there a website or a Facebook page or something or something online going with more to explore the, the brand? Or absolutely. The visit Kilkenny. Visit Kilkenny. Uh, visit Kilkenny. Uh, yeah. which, which has all the information um, on, on what to do. Yeah. And it's, it's updated regularly and a lot of work put in by Kilkenny Tourism, by the Council and Forge Ireland's Ireland. And of course, it is as much for us um, Kilkenny residents as it is for for people who are coming in from outside of the, the county, from anywhere around, around the country. There's, there, there's uh, a very interesting piece of work going in, going up really, really shortly that will tell people opening times and what's open and when it's open. Um, and a huge, huge body work's gone into that, and that'll be available shortly. Yeah, that's a very good idea because, particularly uh, given the restrictions that are under places, the places are under because of um, COVID nineteen. Great to have that information uh, available to hand yeah. before you go out for the day. Look, thanks a million for joining. Joining us, Colin, and very best wishes to yourselves and your colleagues, particularly in, in the hotel anyway, for uh, get the most you can out of this strange, unusual um, tourist season. 
and uh, thank you, Mark. Best to you. Th- we'll make hay while the sun shines. Do indeed, and it certainly is at the moment. Anyway, so get out there and make yeah. the hay. Okay, thanks for joining us, Colin. Great talking to you again. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Colin O'Hearn there, who's uh, involved, the director of Kilkenny Tourism, of course, but also wearing the hat of the general manager of the Ormond Hotel and the president of the Ch- Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. So thanks to Colin for joining us. And um, that nearly brings us to the end of today's show. Thanks also to Nicola Keishan from Kilkenny Recreation and Sports Partnership for coming on to tell us about the uh, small uh, grants for clubs, sports clubs that uh, are available and. Uh, Indeed, uh, the next two lads coming on here after the, the uh, Angelus and Community Diary, um, Bert Scott and Jim Cashin will be involved in clubs themselves and they may well have ideas about clubs that could avail of um, some of the funding that uh, Nicola Keishan from KRSP was telling us about. I'll be back with you again on Friday, I hope, with another Kilkenny Today. Thanks very much indeed for joining uh, me today. Lovely to have you with us as usual. I hope you're managing to get out and enjoy the fresh air and the sunshine and the heat and hopefully it stays around for a while longer look forward to being back with you on Friday and in the meantime do enjoy the rest of your week and I'll talk to you then We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM